What is up, Nation? AJ Riley here with Straight Shooting. Notice that there's a new face covering for Matt Bassin this week is Dylan Bear. He's hopping on. He is actually part of a brand new show that is going to be recording tonight on Thursday and dropping on Friday called The Big Picture with another face that you might recognize from Straight Shooting, Paul Roshan. Um, and actually also from Beyond the Box, the football show that we dropped on Tuesday. So Paul and Dylan are going to be putting out this new show focused on Midwest sports and the connection there, uh, looking at it from a higher level, kind of like a GM level, and it's going to be top shelf analysis and something that you are not going to want to miss. So make sure you check that out. But before we get into our show tonight with Straight Shooting. I want to remind you about our socials down below. Check those out. Subscribe to them. Get the full episodes of our shows on YouTube. Dylan, there has been a ton of breaking news just Wednesday night. And a lot of moves that are kind of like head scratchers in a lot of ways. And we're going to start in the south, down at the bottom of Florida, where Bruce Arians has announced that he's retired. Yeah. He has retired as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, whether or not he'll pull a Tom Brady and unretire in like three weeks, we don't know. But it seems as though the Super Bowl winning head coach is moving from the sidelines to the front office. And I just want to wonder, did you see this coming? Yeah, uh, 100%, actually. I think anybody who has been following Bruce Arians from his time in Arizona up until this point, this actually is maybe less surprising than Brady retiring, to be honest. Uh, Out of them sequentially, I actually expected Arians to retire first. Uh, Part of the reason is because he has had noted health issues. Uh, He was discussing after winning the Super Bowl anyway that that was something that he was looking to do. I, I mean, if you look on the staff, too, it's not like... It's not like him doing this is somehow throwing them under the rug. The cupboard is extremely full. And so, no, I, I think that anyone who is, like, shocked by this, it's only because Brady is coming back. If if Let's put it this way. If Brady had never came back, if he had stayed retired and Arians announced this, I don't think it would be as surprising as people think it is. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I'll be honest. I saw the push notification, and I was like, okay, I'm a little shocked by that, like, yeah. Tom Brady is back in the fold. You still got Chris Godwin, right? You you still got all of this talent on the roster and you're stepping away. Now, the re- he got a Super Bowl, right? He has no reason to he's proved himself. We know he's a good coach. He he did well when he was in Arizona and then he moves to Tampa Bay and, and has a very successful team down there. I'm interested to see what he will do in the front office and that stable that you mentioned of coaches underneath him, we now have an open head coaching position, and it seems like there's a perfect candidate right there in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I mean, I frankly, either of them would work. I think Todd Bowles kind of got the short, uh, the short sure. end of the stick, so to speak, with the uh, with the Jets. So he, I mean, everybody knows his defensive acumen, so that doesn't really need to come into question if he were to come in as an interim or in the short situation because the coaching cycle is over that wouldn't be bad but like 
obvious choice and what if i were a tampa bay fan i would be kind of ecstatic about is the potential byron leftwich taking over uh byron leftwich is at least in my opinion was the best coaching candidate in this last head coaching cycle and frankly the only reason that he is even still in tampa bay is because the jacksonville jaguars are a low rent garbage trash bag organization ran by an owner who's more interested in what's overseas in Europe than he is in Jacksonville, which to be fair, can't really blame him. It's Jacksonville, but at the same, but all digs aside, Byron left, which was going to be the coach in Jacksonville. He obviously he used to be the quarterback. There are a lot of ties to the team and it's not that far of a drive for him as it is. Uh, but the reason why that didn't work out is because Shad Khan, the owner, decided to that the, one of the ultimatums that Byron Leftwich had was Trent Baalke, the GM, notorious GM, who is the reason why Jim Harbaugh even went to Michigan in the first place. It was uh, it, me or him dynamic. And Shad Khan said, I will choose Balky instead, which I think is the dumbest decision that you can make. Sure. And instead, you have Doug Peterson there now. But now... Tampa Bay has a t- very talented roster, and now you have the potential for a young, bright offensive mind to take over for a guy who, let's be real, was probably not going to be with the organization as a head coach past either this season or the next anyway. This just mm-hmm. expedites it, and you no longer have to worry about another cycle of Leftwich going off to another team. It already almost happened. Hire him, get him in there, and you have your next head coach for the next 10 years i am that certain he is that good of a head coach and yeah and i mean it kind of solves that whole coaching cycle situation right because he's already been calling plays for you there's no reason why he can't dan campbell the situation and be the head coach but also be your offensive coordinator for one season right Right. if the cycle's over and all the best offensive candidates are gone you have the best candidate right there give him the head coaching position. He's still calling plays. You don't really miss a beat. Nope. And and so the situation, I'm I'm very glad that you brought up the Jacksonville Jaguars because I know that's music to Detroit Lions fans' ears because they're like, maybe if they've screwed up so much in the past, I mean, they hired Urban Meyer. That was a circus. Mm-hmm. They choose Balky over Byron Leftwich, essentially, right? Maybe they'll mess up that number one overall pick, and Aiden Hudson will fall into the Lions' lap, kind of like Panay Sewell did the year before. Who knows? I mean, that's kind of going off topic a little bit, but I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because, yes, the Jaguars are a dumpster fire of an organization. Maybe they will screw it up, but the main focus is Tampa Bay, right? Tampa Bay, they're already – they have this wealth of talent. They have a prime candidate, and it just seems like it – fits that that leftwich should step in there i the only real i mean I, I frankly this feels like kind of a not a hard reset but definitely a reset i would be i'm going to be intrigued to see what it is that tampa does now in terms of a roster management especially moving into the draft because at this point arians left and there's going to be you're going to see reports everywhere that Brady coming back is why that happened. I mean, just optically, that's what it looks like. There had already been reports that the two kind of butted heads as it is. 
Arians clearly is not wanting to deal with another year of Brady drama. And so he moves into the more cush spot of the front organization. So now you have, whether it is Bowles or Leftwich, you have a new voice who is at the head of the head coaching spot. And they are a pretty old roster, to be fair. They are pretty ancient, to be honest, at certain positions. So are they going to start trying to ship off those pieces to other contending teams, especially in the arms race that is the AFC? I mean, let's put it this way. If Tyreek Hill is able to be moved, I see no reason why Chris Godwin or Mike Evans wouldn't either. So that's going to be a very intriguing thing moving forward is to see how the roster construction is going to be. And to be entirely honest, Brady coming back does throw a wrench in that. It's going to be fascinating to see what it is that they do. It is, and I mean, Arians, who has his finger on the pulse of that team and that roster moving into a front office position, uh, haven't really seen a report of what kind of position that's going to be, uh, can help with that, right? It's one of those situations where, you know, there is turnover, obviously, but maybe they can extend their window by getting the right pieces in place. I mean, maybe with them drafting in the later end of the first round, they pick up that next quarterback because there's going to be somebody there, right? Or they maybe move up to get somebody that they like more. Who knows, right? And so I I do think that that roster management piece is going to be huge for uh, them. Uh, And I think that you hit the nail on the head, man. Like it's going to be very interesting to see how the strategy for the Buccaneers moving forward changes now that, you know, they do have those older players, but now that Arians is not there and who um, they bring in, I, I, I hope it's left, which it's, he seems like the right fit. He seems like he's the perfect candidate, right? You don't, I could see them though. I could almost see ownership going. We want the experienced guy in bowls, even though he has, you know, just a, he was he was in New York, correct? The Jets. He was with the Jets for four seasons. For, yeah, for four seasons. So, I mean, he does have the head coaching experience. I could see them saying, oh, "We don't really want a rookie head coach with this talented roster." But Leftwich has proven that he's a good enough coach and able to handle superstars and and seemingly keep them happy. You don't really hear a lot of disgruntled drama coming out of Tampa Bay of. Mike Evans not getting his touches, good, good, uh, Goodwin not getting his touches, right? Even when they brought Gronk in, same kind of thing. And so it's very interesting to see how it's going to go moving forward, uh, like you said. Now, a little bit of turnover in the head coaching position in Tampa Bay. Let's come back to Detroit and talk about a little bit more turnover. The Detroit Red Wings on Wednesday – fired their Zamboni driver and arena manager, Al Sabatka, who had been with the organization for 51 years. And there's no been, there has not been any details necessarily released on why he was so abruptly let go. But there are reports out that he is actually seeking legal representation. Articles are on DetroitSportsNation.com, so make sure you check those out by Don Drysdale. Oh, my. And Michael Whitaker. Make sure that they're up there, that you check those out, because Al Sabatka 
no longer with an organization that he'd been with for half a century. That's <laughs> I think the the meme way of going about it is just the eyes are playing in action, right? He doesn't care about anybody. He's gonna fire even the Sam Boney driver. That's like the the joke, right? The legal representation thing could just be a wrongful firing suit. I uh, there could be like an ageism angle or something. I don't know if I put a ton of weight into that aspect of it. Um, I, I the problem is is that because it's not like an org an actual organizational individual, like wh why would you do this? It does feel a bit spiteful. The season isn't even over yet. No. Why? Why not wait and just have him like go into retirement or something? Like. I don't know. This this feels like a very unnecessary press cycle for the team. It seems a bit mean-spirited, I would have to agree. But in terms of any sort of sizzle or spice to the, to the tail, I think it's probably just a crappy firing, and that's pretty much it. Well, and, okay, let's be clear. I don't think Iserman's the one making this decision. I think that – I'm kidding, obviously. I think this – comes from one of maybe I would say my less liked people in my life I do. who I have railed about numerous times, but this has Chris Illich's fingerprints all over it. Let's put it this way. He could be six degrees removed from this and you would still blame him. Let's be You're right. I would because he's <laughs> the owner. Right. And it all comes back to him. But I mean, you think about it from this angle, right? Jeff Blashill's had seven years with this team and yeah, he took over a team that was not great. I mean, they competed for a little bit, then they like completely bottomed out. Right. And then now they're building back with Iserman and the Iser plan and all this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. But to fire a Zamboni driver and the dude who became probably more famous for collecting the octopi and swinging it around his head, my man, thanks for your service. There's the door. See you later. Just seems like something that has young Illich's fingerprints all over it. And one more reason not to like the guy. I could be wrong. I, I, I'm not blaming him entirely. It just seems that way to me. So let's be careful in, in accusations that are thrown around. But my goodness, my man cannot seemingly do anything right. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> He's also notoriously cheap. And let's be real, someone who's been in a, in a, in a position for 52 years, probably by market standards is not a very cheap ticket to have to, you know, cash sure. or what have you. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this. It's a Zamboni drive. Like, look, solidarity to my fellow worker, get your bread, get that pension. He's going to pay you every dime. I'm with it. And I'll always take the opportunity to blame a billionaire. I'm with that. But at the same time, from a sports perspective, like sure. what are what's anyone supposed to do with this other than your angle of pure spite and hatred for the dude who owns this team and the Red Wings? Look, I mean, let's be honest. It's not that I hate the guy. It's just like I'm disappointed in the way that he's run the organizations that I've become enamored with. And it's 
It's that situation, like, come on, man. Like, the dude's been there for 51 years. You cannot, you cannot just let him go. Now, barring some kind of, like, terrible act on Sabatka's part. exceptionally unlikely. Like, Twitter just blew up, and somebody even said, like, Sabaka must have done something real, real bad, right? Mm. I get that. And if he did, maybe he deserved it. But if he didn't, if he didn't, come on, man. For re- You can't let him at least just, like, finish the season? It's the timing that's the weirdest part. The only reason it's a real – like, let's put it this way. If it were in, like, July, then you'd be like, oh, that's pretty crappy, but whatever. But when there's like what two, three weeks left in the season, you're you're doing this now. Why? And also another thing, who's driving the Zamboni now? Are they going to have the fans that are sitting on the Zamboni, and now your right is going to be to actually drive the thing? I'll tell you who is not going to be. <laughs> who's that? It ain't going to be Chris Illich. <laughs> it ain't going to be him. My man probably doesn't even drive his own car, which no. is fine. Like, he probably earned that. Well, no, he didn't earn it. His daddy did, but that's okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, maybe we should move off. The maybe we should move on to something thing. that's, you know, a little bit more positive. Let's stop talking about people who are no longer in a job. But let's talk about somebody who's leaving on the right terms, shall we? Somebody who's put in. Obviously, you are a clear fan of who I'm getting ready to talk about, but... You know, this Saturday, we have a Final Four that even though the rankings don't say chalk, the team names do spew chalk, right? We have Kansas versus Villanova, and we have Duke versus UNC. KU and Nova are going to be the early game, obviously, for every reason under the sun. UNC and Duke are going to be the primetime game. And it's just very interesting to me that in a tournament, and Matt and I talked about this last episode, but in a tournament that has just been pure chaos, Mm. this is what we end up with in the Final Four. Are you looking forward to Saturday? Uh, I mean, I am partially because my I I primarily am, not primarily, I am all green and white Michigan State. That is just that is my school. That are are my top two teams that I live and die by, and Kansas is my backup. They are my have been my backup college basketball team since my father and I watched them in Detroit when they beat Steph Curry's Davidson team in order to win the go to win the national title. So I, I love Kansas basketball, and so my primary rooting interest is them. But yes, that, that was it. Was the ironic thing? It was like, oh, this is so crazy. All this chaos that's happening and then you have a team that's won the national title twice in the last what five years you have kansas who have won who won the big 12 like 20 years in a row and the you winningest have, team in college basketball history if i'm not mistaken that all those blue bloods are so intersectional i I, 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 I didn't want to throw myself out there like that and then you have North Carolina, North Carolina is the most surprising one, but we'll get to that in a second. And then you have the most disgusting, horrible proof that Shashevsky and God are, are clearly on really tight terms because he's allowed 
to get away with it, just like the Breaking Bad meme. It's disgusting. And at the same time, talking big picture preview to the show that I'll I'll be starring in, the ratings for hosting. that UNC Duke game is is going to be like insane. I want to see what those Nielsen numbers look like. I, the Final Four actually generally does pretty poorly in terms of TV ratings for a championship, and this is the perfect solution to that problem. Well, it's not a championship, though, right? It's right, right you, you, to you go. What I mean. like, like for, Even though, for, like, title the game. Final Four is the climax of the tournament, and then right. you have this, like, oh, yeah, there's a national championship, too, right? right. That's kind of how it always feels every year, right? It's exactly, like, yeah. We build up to the Final Four, and then the championships Monday night. Who, like, but it's it's exciting. And, and like you said, it's – I'm not a Kansas fan, not necessarily a Bill Self fan. I'm sorry. I well, apologize. I'm not either, to make that clear. <laughs> You're not a Bill Self fan, but you are a Kansas fan. That's right. Okay. And, you know, Jay Wright and Villanova being back in the Final Four, I mean, he – I know Paul, our buddy, talks about how he's probably the best basketball coach in America. I um, say probably that's right. Which is – not far off. And then, of course, you've got the first time they've ever met in a Final Four, How UNC high. and Duke. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be absolute insanity. Insanity. So, I want to get some predictions here. Mm. Let's start with Kansas and Villanova. And how do you see this game playing out? Uh, this, but out, of all, out of both games, I... I bias included i actually don't think this is going to be like super ultra competitive i like it could be a 10 point game and the score could be a bit misdeceit or a bit deceiving in that regard uh the problem is that kansas has length as they always do they have a just a bunch of dynamic scores like i i just don't know who on villanova is going to be able to check oche Ayabaji. i just i don't i don't see that happening the other problem also for this specific iteration of Jay Wright's team is that if Colin Gillespie is not getting 20 plus, how are they going to keep up to speed with Kansas in this game? I expect it to be a high scoring affair, like an 80 70 type of deal. And the problem that Villanova is going to run into is that other teams that Jay Wright's had in the past is that his system that is clearly works exceptionally well of the four guards out and then one kind of slash forward. If it pretty, they play pretty small ball usually. The problem is that the, these Jay Wright teams with Colin Gillespie have entirely rooted around him. And if he isn't getting his, and I don't expect him to be able to do that and keep pace with Ayabaji, I, I just don't see how Villanova is going to be able to pull that off, even though in terms of coaching, I think that Jay Wright is leaps and bounds better than Bill Self is. So who are you picking? Oh, oh it's going to be Kansas, and I think it's going to be like 80-70, that is, like that okay. kind of score. And then I, I I don't know if you were wanting to speak to that or we move on to the big the big uh, big game, but we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that in a minute. Good call. So, let, <laughs> so let, let's talk Kansas and Villanova. You know, Villanova obviously played Michigan in the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. And I was not impressed. 
to be honest with you. First of all, I didn't expect Michigan to be that far. I well, I had them losing to Tennessee in the second round. Uh, like all cards on the table. Um, because all year long I've I've felt like Michigan is just a I've called them a flip of a quarter team. You don't know which team's gonna show up each night, right? It's just a flip of the quarter, whether they're gonna play well or they're going to lose to Central Florida, mm-hmm. or they're gonna lose to Minnesota, right? Or they're gonna beat Michigan State. And so the fact that Michigan was in that game, and Michigan was playing better basketball. I want to be very clear about that. They were playing better basketball in the tournament than they had been all season. Um, but the fact that they were in that game and then Villanova pulled away, I just was not that impressed with Villanova. Now, again, all cards on the table, haven't really seen Kansas play much. Um, and I think that given what I saw from Villanova, even though I think Bill um, Jay Wright is a much better coach, and I think that his success is built on the system that you referenced. I think that system is going to allow the game to stay close, but I'm going to side with you. And I'm going to say that Kansas, given the athletes that they have, Remy Martin being able to do what he can do. Yeah. Is, it, is it, I don't want to say his name wrong, but Iabache. It's Oche Iabache. Iabache, not Iabache. Iabache. I want to say that, you know, there's your X factor. There's your difference maker. And so I think Kansas is going to be the first team into the hangover national championship, which <laughs> then leads us to the primetime matchup. Oh, prize fighter match of North Carolina and eight seed taking on coach K in what will be his final final four. The question is, Will he be packing his bags and going home or making an extended stay reservation for the national championship? Dylan, what do you think is going to happen? UNC Duke. So one thing in particular that I think especially Michigan State people are going to remember is that that game that Michigan State played, part of it was that the team shot exceptionally well, like more – on average than they have done in like the past two months. But the big issue that Michigan state had was what the easy baskets underneath and in the paint. And that is not something North Carolina is going to do. A part of it is a familiarity that is inevitable. And those are going to be things that are going to be mentioned. And there's a fear that a lot of people are going that I have for a lot of people who are either going to bet the game, pick the game, what have you, where the attitude is going to be because North Carolina absolutely carpet bombed coach K on his last home game, that that's going to be this extra motivator to somehow get Duke over the hump against UNC. I don't have that attitude. And the reason partially why is because North Carolina's paint, performance specifically with Armando Baycott who has been very good in this tournament I don't he like unless he is in severe foul trouble that that plus advantage is not going to go away the other problem also with this uh, Duke team especially by matchup of North Carolina North Carolina's got a lot of size in Michigan State had size but softness 
if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas North Carolina has proven against exceptionally talented teams, specifically whenever they played against Baylor, and everyone's going to be like, oh, well, they gave up the major lead. Well, if that questionable flagrant ejection didn't happen, Baylor was losing that game by 30 points. Mm-hmm. It was never going to get to the point where it even needed to go to overtime. And to me, losing that lead like they did and still finishing as strong as they did in overtime right. is proof of that mental grit that they have. And like Hubert Davis and so, uh, some of the older people, you and myself included, will remember when Hubert Davis was on college game day and he left and to be on the staff. This is literally why he was there and to see him succeed like that. He always seemed like such a nice dude. I would, I, it's just such a great story. I love this UNC team, even though they are the ones who didn't made it. So Izzo didn't win his second title. Uh, I am going to pick UNC in a, just an absolute dogfight, 74 to 72, something like that. So it's interesting that you bring up the idea of a story, especially around Hubert Davis, because it seems like, and I said this on our last show, that it seems like this tournament has been just a conglomeration of forced narratives. Yeah, right. Sure. Like you have the the Michigan State Davidson matchup in the first round to make sure they play yeah. against you know their former teammate. Then they have it set up where both teams win. You have Duke versus Michigan State, the Izzo Coach K matchup in the second round. Now, unforeseen to them, they lucked out and got this other narrative of UNC Duke in the final four. And it worked out beautifully for them. And I just don't think in a year of these forced and lucky narratives. I can't see the Coach K narrative ending with a loss in the Final Four. And I know that that pains you to your soul, and you probably died a little bit inside. But I have a just outstanding respect for Coach K. I know that you probably respect him less for that opinion, okay? But I have a great respect for the man. Because he has been excellent at what he does, and I appreciate excellence. That's why Tiger Woods on the golf course was my favorite athlete of all time because he Mm. just was excellent and dominant at what he did. And Coach K, in a lot of ways, reminds me of that excellence, right? UNC is a scary team, though. They are a scary good team. Watching them against UCLA and how just great and just efficient they were was incredible to watch but duke having gone through what they went through against unc on coach k's failed last home game doing what i said not to do no hold on hold on hold on i'm not saying that that's going to give them extra motivation what i'm saying is what i said last time and what i firmly believe you saw a change in that team in their matchup against Michigan State. Down five points, and they just turned it on. They didn't cower away. And so I think they are even a different team and a better team from when they played UNC last time, a different team and a better team from when they played Michigan State in the second round. And I think that that team, I think overall, that Duke team is better than the UNC team and is going to... Like you said, in a dogfight, squeak out 
a victory to let Coach K attempt to ride off into the sunset. And so I have Duke beating UNC. We have a Kansas versus Duke national championship game. And who knows? We're not going to make a prediction on the national championship game. We're just going to let the cards fall where they may because truthfully, the climax is the final four. Nobody cares about the national championship except for the players, fans, and coaches. They will if K um, is there playing against someone like Kansas, though. Well, they will. I know. I'm, I I say that tongue-in-cheek, but <laughs> it, it's one of those situations where, truthfully, I'm rooting for Coach K to ride off in the sunset like Peyton Manning. I know that you hate me, but I'm just going to and tell you that. you brought up another dude who I despise, too, so great. Yeah, make like Peyton Manning. Work. Yeah, what I, I yeah I hate Peyton Manning. Come on now, you got to tell me why. Why do you hate Peyton Manning? Well, despite this, my favorite professional team is the oh. Chicago Bears. Okay, and who beat me in the Super Bowl? You're right. I will never forgive him for that. And then on top of that, we have. I don't need to go into it. It's a big picture type of topic, but Brady owned his ass. He did, and yet Peyton Manning is still – I've never seen someone underachieve so much yet get so much praise. It's kind of gross. I mean, you even say rang off into the sunset, but if, like anyone who was honest and actually paid attention knows that Peyton Manning – you could have put in Paxton Lynch on that team and the, he would have won the Super Bowl. No, it was Peyton Manning's leadership and the intangibles and stuff that cannot be measured that won them that Super Bowl. Lovely. I can't even say right. it was a straight face. I can't <laughs> say it was a straight face. It was Von Miller in that defense that won them that Super Bowl and Cam Newton's inability to fall on a fumble when he got strip sacked. But that yeah, is neither here nor there. But I am glad that we are talking about football because for Detroit fans, there is a rumor that the Lions may be changing their uniform in some way this year. They haven't really disclosed details. There is an article about it on DetroitSportsNation.com, so go and check it out there. Yeah. But – a lot of fans, Dylan, are clamoring for one uniform to come back. And yeah. it is the black jersey that the Detroit Lions sported back in the day. That, as you so kindly reminded me off air, is associated with not so good years. No, not even slightly. I. It would be very in this team's M.O. to not create something fresh and new and creative and full of effort. And instead, they want to harken back to the time that is the worst in the franchise's history. Let's go ahead and resurrect what every like the images that come to my mind are like Sean Rogers and Charles Rogers in my in uh, was it Mike Williams, I believe, was the other one. And just all those terrible teams. And like it isn't even that the jersey itself is like offensive or anything. It's just tainted. You can't go back to it. It's just wrong. It's bad. But again, that's exactly what the Lions would do, right? That's exactly the type of thing that an organization of this level would want to do. It's going to be the same thing as the Jacksonville Jaguars in 10 years doing that half shade thing the microsoft paint gross uniforms of the blake bortles years and they'll resurrect those and say oh we're revamping our brand so let me throw you a curveball and ask you a question then 
if they're going to make a uniform change, yeah, and it's not going to be the black uniforms, right? What type of change do they make? They so, have it all blue. They have the color yeah. rush grays. They have the whites, right? What would they do? Well, okay. So, I, I, no, jokingly, and I'm going to steal this from Ryan from the Throne Stones, but they would just make the the William Clay Ford uh, like literally smack dab in the center. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no. All kidding aside, number one, they remove it would be my number one with a bullet. They take get the WCF the, off the jersey. Get rid of it. Gone. Yeah. He's not. He's not Papa Bear. The reason that the Bears have the GSH is because he is the Bears and also brought us actual success. William Clay Ford brought you those exact black jerseys that you're trying to resurrect from an 16 season and in even worse year, not even worse necessarily, but just terrible years. What I would do is everything like retro's always the way to go. That's always kind of the vibe, right? Now, what I would do is not necessarily do a one-for-one, one, but that mono color with the lion logo where it's the blue and white, and then it's the, the lion there. Retrograde it. Make it something that's a bit more modernized. Maybe you integrate the actual regular logo on there instead and play off of that. Play off of something that is that has that sort of retro vibe that to be fair the city of detroit does kind of well in, in that you know it's historic in you know the days of the 50s and the 60s and 70s and whatnot real like muscle power that sort of thing and kind of harken back to that time frame don't harken back to the one period of your organization that everyone hates all i ask that's fair so then I'm going to give you the question I was going to give you to kind of end here for the night. What is your favorite NFL uniform? So bias, there's an unbiased and a biased answer. Right. Biased answer is going to be the Chicago Bears throwbacks that they have that some people say rips off Michigan. It doesn't. But it has the three stripes for the helmet and then the same colors here. I mean, it is the winged helmet. It is, but there's less less of it. And also, they're just stripes. They go all the way back, and they don't stop. It's like a full hoop. It doesn't, like, abruptly stop, so it's not actually a wing. It's just, like, three rings. I, again, it looks similar. I'm not saying it doesn't, but yeah. there is enough difference between the two. And then it has, yeah, whether you have the white, and then you have the stripes on it, or if you go with something, more, where, where, or you go with the navy. Either way. I just I love them. I wish yeah, it's like the, the navy time. with the orange stripes on the sleeve, or the white with the blue and orange stripes on the sleeve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that them. that love combination. Them. The white with the blue and orange stripes is actually one of my favorites too. What's there your you unbiased? So my unbiased one is, and it's actually probably going to be thrown out maybe on a Sunday night football game now that Russell Wilson is there. Uh, I, I am partial to orange. I mean, obviously, I'm wearing the hat, talking about the Bears. But the Denver Broncos color rushes where they, it's the all orange, but then they have the blue with the old logo that they had with the D for Denver with the white Bronco on it. Mm -hmm. super sick looks awesome and when mile high is doing like a type of color rush and russell wilson's throwing bombs to jerry judy that's good that's going to be super hype i i'm very excited for that so for me my favorite in the nfl 
I, I'm a sucker for classic uniforms, right? Like when it comes when it comes to baseball, my two favorite uniforms are the Yankee home uniform and the Detroit Tigers home uniform. Those are like top of the line best uniforms in all sports to me. Uh, sucker for the Red Wings uniforms. So for me, like the classic works, right? Yeah. Um, however, I'm not a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, so they will never be on a favorites list of mine. Never. Although I do like their blue with the white sleeve, like that one's okay. Right. Um, so if I were to pick like a favorite, I'm going to go like out to the Bay and I'm going to pick like the San Francisco 49ers, a very classic uniform. I, I, I love it. Um, going on the bias route. I love the lion's Thanksgiving uniform. It's just simple. And it is very just, (laughs) <laughs> two colors and there's no flash and i don't know it's just, there's just something about it that i really like so those would be my two favorites yours are better i think personally like i i also love the uh the chicago bears throwback uniforms i think those should be there but i also like their classic home uniform too it's an it's also a very good looking uniform um so i i don't know that's where I don't even know what, like, with the Lions changing their uniform potentially, I don't even know how they would do it without some kind of, like, entire rebrand and kind of get the cartoon lion off of the helmet and maybe go, like you said, with that kind of more streamlined lion or something more along those lines. Um, I don't think you can get away from the Honolulu blue or anything like that. I don't think you need to. But you got to find something better to do, like you said, with, those uniforms um dylan that's it man that is our show for tonight for thursday i appreciate you first of all stepping in for matt matt we do wish you well while you are away at your undisclosed location and we hope that you are having a great time doing whatever it is that you are doing get back to us safe so we can record more straight shooting episodes don't forget that you can find us on all of your social media platforms so make sure you check us out there hit up detroitsportsnation.com for the latest news that you may be longing for i'm aj riley he is dylan bear this has been straight shooting and we will see you next week